Welcome to another installment of Show to Be with Mike G, the show of life, the show of dressing well, keeping healthy, Grey Goose Vodka Roulette, Texas, and so much more. Today's guest is the brilliant Nathan S. Rafael of Grey Goose here in Texas, USBG, Houston Vice President, and so many other things he's done to contribute to the Houston hospitality scene. And now he's looking oh so fine with his brilliant suits. We talk a little bit about the wardrobe, we talk a little bit about the style, and we talk about how nasty Nate emerges on some nights. Great guy. It was a good conversation. We covered lots of different things. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this great chat with Nathan S. Raphael of Grey Goose Vodka. Yeah, I mean, I love, there's a lot of podcasts that I listen to. They're mostly... Mostly comedy and yeah. a lot of sports stuff. You know, I get into sports, but I've I've been it's a lot of a uh, political stuff that I just like get into, like the the Trump cast. Oh yeah, that's one of them that I I love that thing, man, because those guys just like they get it. Yeah, so how do you know? So it's a perfect blend, actually. Yeah, Trump and comedy. Yeah, it's a very golden age of comedy right now, isn't it? It definitely is. I mean, <laughs> it's it's not. The fun kind of comedy, like, <laughs> ah, it's just like, no, we I'm, have to laugh because shit is just like so crazy. It is crazy, <laughs> so right? We're just like laughing at it, but it's not funny at all. But yeah. It's uh, a strange time. Do you, what do you do? There's so much stuff going on. There's noise, there's people, there's social, there's the president. For you, do you have kind of an escape or a, a reprieve? From this stuff was there anything you do to kind of get away from it well it was bartending you know because right. you kind of like set into that world and you just don't have to worry about anything else except for people and drinks and booze right um, not a bad way to do it to me i mean I, I read a lot yeah i try to i try to read i don't have a goal anymore like i used to i used to like try to read like a book a week or something like that but Jeez, i mean man. i at least try to you know get on my kindle or or pick something up yeah not bartending related uh, for at least, you know, 20 minutes or 15 minutes or before I go to sleep just to take my mind off of something. So mostly a reader or are you film goer as well? I No, not as much. I mean, film, I mean, there's movies that I go and see, but, yeah. you know, and I'll, I'm all for a good Netflix binge, but like, I'm just <laughs> not like one of those like film buffs. Yeah. Um, you know, everything that gets nominated nowadays, I have no idea what they are usually. I like it though. You're right. kind of flying below the radar a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, I I like just reading a lot, just stuff that interests me. Most of the stuff nowadays, I guess, is self, uh, I guess, self improvement stuff yeah, and yeah, just yeah. stuff that you can, you know, working on yourself. Because I, I don't know, it's just you get to that age and you either don't have time or you don't really think about it, and then you hit thirty and you're like, oh wow. <laughs> I better start taking care of myself. Or, no, it's you know. right. It's in the rearview mirror the whole time, and you never pay attention until you get to a certain age. It's like, oh man, I never thought about joint care before. Exactly. But my, knee, like but my knees. What is up with my knee? Right. Jesus Christ. Yeah. 
And I imagine had. you being on your feet and having those years in bartending. That's some piece. Yeah, of I mean, it's. I mean, it. You can compare it to being an athlete. Yeah, really. Sure. I mean, you just get to that age. Once you're in your thirties, like, you know, you you're still good. You have the knowledge, and and you know, you're at your peak, but you're just not physically able to do a lot of the things that you used to like without consequences. Right. You know, you used to be able to, you know, bartend all night. Maybe get off early, go out and party, and then, you know, go to sleep, wake up, run five miles, yeah. go back to work, do it again. And, you know. How's that work for you now if you try to do that shit? Uh, yeah, you're going <laughs> to you're gonna need a good day. You know, it, it'll come back to bite you. Yeah. I can get away with it every now, once in a while, but I always feel like it, uh, like towards the end of the week, like you'll you'll pay for it. Yeah, hardcore. it accumulates. Yeah. It? <laughs> it's like fucking interest on your health. Exactly. It's daily accrued yeah. interest. Uh, there's there's things I do now, like if I go out and, and you know have a heavy night drinking, I know that it's gonna affect me like two or three days later, like yeah. down the line. I'm like, okay, I might get my sleep tonight. I'm gonna crash tonight, but then I know I'm gonna feel it like maybe a day or two later, and I'm gonna feel like trash, man. <laughs> but you know, dude, I get it because you're 30. I'm 38. I've got mm-hmm. a little bit of time on you, but you spent far more time behind the bar. And are there things now that you really have to do when you spend a night out? Maybe drinking some water. Maybe taking some multivitamins. Definitely a lot of water. Yeah. Uh, try to drink as much water as possible. And then when I get home, this is one thing that's always saves me. Like, I don't care how drunk I am, but I have this habit. I just drink as much water as possible. Chug it. Yeah, just chug it, yeah. chug it, chug it until you just can't anymore. So you're about to burst. And in the morning, your body thanks you a lot. Um, but milk thistle, that's another milk thing that somebody thistle. just yeah. turned me on to, which is like amazing that when that one's really you know that's a big one but yeah i do try to stay up on my vitamins because i I'm, i'll be the first one to tell you i eat like shit like yeah. i don't eat very well like, and he, well i mean there's long. nickel city which i love but it does make us feel guilty about what we eat yeah yeah but what what is it just it's just because you're out and it's more convenient or you just don't have time to cook at home or what exactly I'm just like a lazy person <laughs> when it comes i just don't <laughs> Like when it comes to food, I just don't get serious about it. Like some people are passionate. Yeah. Or like even like with cocktails, I get like, or booze, I get excited. I just don't get excited about food. Like food, just like put it in my body. Let me live for another day. Like Interesting. it's not that big. Just sustenance. Yeah, sustenance. But that could be whatever. <laughs> you know, sometimes <laughs> it's, you know, like a nice steak dinner or like a healthy, you know, fish or something like that, yeah. you know, or something nice. Or it might just be like Burger King or McDonald's or like. You know, I like it that you're, it's like, like it's that. quality agnostic, right? Yeah, like, yeah, whatever but, I can fill. Whatever, you know, whatever does the job. No, because it's the, the absence of judgmental nature, right? Yeah. I like that. Now, yeah. there are some health ramifications, I think, perhaps as you get older, but yeah. ultimately, that's not a bad balance. Do you find, you know, this is the thing, and one of the other things is you're, if, if, you know, you majored in fashion ultimately at HCC, but you always really are well put together. And <laughs> this is going to be a strange way to put this, but like I gained some weight when I got into my adult years and it's oh, yeah. harder to get stylish clothes when you're fucking uh, fatter, Yeah, that right? is, uh, <laughs> you know, I just, that's funny you said that because I just did like a closet clean and I yeah. was like, you know how you try to like hold on to things? You're like, man, I'm going to lose the weight and yeah. I'm going to get back into this. And then, you know, what? the other day I was just like, fuck it, man, it's not happening. <laughs> like back when I was like a buck for is it pa- like, Is it pants? It's pants. The pants oh, are the worst, man. They are. And I used to like, I used to have a tailor and I would take them out. And I just got to the point where I was like, you know what? I just, just let these pants go. Some of my favorite <laughs> outfits, some of my suits. I'm just like, Fuck. just not going to happen anymore, man. No it's kidding. Like, yeah. But I mean, 
It could if I had the willpower, but return just, of the just, Nate. It's yeah. got to happen at some point, you know, right? I feel like I, I'm I, I look good right now for yeah. for my age, and I know in the industry that we're in, uh, weight. I mean, it's just hard. There's very few people that I know that I've known for several years that have kept the same weight, yeah. Um, just because of the lifestyle that we live, it, it's and tough, man. It's not necessarily. I mean, I guess not a good thing, but you know, it's, it's just the way it is, especially. Now that I work on the brand side, yeah, because um, dinners now, right? Dinners, yeah, and just um, yeah, c- constant sitting. There's no physical, you know, you're not behind the bar every night, right? I mean, you walk about six miles a night, probably if you're bartending, uh, just you know, running back and forth. Um, so that's that's a lot of calories, a lot of shaking, shaking that cold draft ice. Sure, you that's know, some back and workout, forth. Man. Yeah, the yeah, sweat, some- the stress of it all, like. Yeah, I was I was at an ideal weight for like you know a good while, and then just started like yeah, your body gets older, and you just the metabolism just starts you know slowing down. And, and I think with Greg Goose especially, you guys have to fit into really nice suits. Yeah, there's so another one like, of those. God damn, you're right. Yeah, it's another it's one of those opposition. jobs. You got to look good. You can't just like wear. Uh, I I worked briefly for Sailor Jerry. Uh, it was like one of my first brand gigs yeah. actually, and uh, I was. I love that job because you wear a t-shirt and sure. jeans and go to concerts. Tattoos like for free whenever Tattoos, you... Tattoos, <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. And now, then I started with Hendrix and then I had to like put a vest on and start dressing up. Like, you were you wearing know. more hats, I noticed. I did wear a lot of hats, <laughs> literally. Um, and now with Craig Goose, I, I feel like it fits my age now. Like, yeah. Especially, it, it's right up my alley because I usually just, I dress, I tend to dress like a little bit more mature. Every now and then I'll wear, you know, people so, sometimes find it weird that I wear like shorts and a t-shirt or something really? like that yeah because most of the time when they see me i mean i was in hendrix mode i see okay. and so you know i would be dressed up but yeah you know most of the time when i'm out and about or when i'm not on the clock which is almost never like how I'll, I'll be uh i mean you know, the shorter. shoes you i love the shoes you're wearing yeah. right now i you know i'm sneakers because i'm real just yeah. like a dude from the 80s but those are good looking shoes i drove into town and I wanted to be able to take my shoes off easily in the car. So I was just like, yeah, let me take my shoes off. And let we are getting crazy. older, aren't we? This oh, yeah. I was, that I that was the tie- one thing I thought about when I wore these. I haven't untied these shoes for months. Uh, yeah, I, I slip them on and off. That's it. I don't care for laces no. anymore. Yeah. And I mean, Velcro is a little bit of a like, later stage thing, yeah. a latent elderly thing. But I'm still not opposed to it. That is one thing about my fashion nowadays versus when it used to be. is like as simple as possible. I yeah. don't want to have to work. If I have to iron something, that's a factor of me wearing that. <laughs> I really don't want to have to iron anything. Like I just want to like Exist. put my clothes on. Yeah, I, I wish like I could be one of those people that just had like five outfits for every, you know, just for each occasion or something like that. But Einstein, Steve Jobs, exactly. those guys just pulled out. They don't care. I don't. Jeff Goldblum from The Fly. Yeah, that was a that's, big. That's another guy, yeah. right? And I mean, everybody You're loves yourself right there. Fucking <laughs> okay, right, I did. That's like eighty six, eighty seven. Jeff Goldblum. Wonderful movie in itself. Oh, he's an amazing actor. I love him. So we a lot of stuff to talk about, whether it's nasty Nate, whether it's your predilection towards fashion. This all starts out in Rowlett. Is that the fair? Is your Rowlett. Um so I'm actually I'm a child of two cities. So okay. I was I was born in Oklahoma. No kidding. My parents moved to Houston uh, at a young age. Uh they ended up splitting and then my mom took me to Dallas mm. and my sister and brother stayed in uh Houston. So what part um, of you so at least now, you guys hanging out? Most of my time was spent in A-Leaf. Got it. So, okay. SWAT, Southwest A-Leaf, Texas. Uh, and I would spend my summers there as well. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, so, I'm, I mean, that's still, like, very near and dear to me, that area of town. 
Uh, but Dallas Roulette was where I did a lot of growing up as a child. It's a really fun city, but um, I'm really proud of just, you know, where I grew up because it was it was very culturally. I, I didn't see racism in Houston. You don't because we were blessed. We have like this diverse culture. Right, so you grow right. up with everybody. It's massive place. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know. But Roulette. Roulette. A little smaller. Uh, you know, I've I never been around like. You know, pe- like straight up people who are racist. I don't like black people or, you know, having people at your school uh, carry Confederate flags or people calling you a nigger outright. You know, I've never heard of that. Yeah. And it, it was it was a shock to me at first. So but, that's so that's kind of the, the experience you had in real life? Uh, yeah, for, for a time. Yeah, sure, sure. I mean, don't get me wrong. I had a lot of I had a lot of white I'm friends, sure, yeah. um, a lot. Uh, but I there was a lot of, you know, there were some places you couldn't go and and. No, I did not see, you know, I didn't see racism, you know, uh, like outright like that, you know, until yeah. until I moved there. Um, I remember being in like fourth or fifth grade. There was this girl and we were really good friends. She was cute. But, oh, my God, I'll never forget this. Like, I asked her out. I wanted to like, hey, would you grab me? She's a white girl. And she's like, um, I'd love to go out with you, but. Um, my parents said I can't date white black guys. What the fuck? Like, this they is explicitly like, said that. Yes. Well, she said, yeah, I, I yeah, I can't. I don't date black guys. Like my Jesus said, Christ. Like, this was like she was like we were twelve, you know, like <laughs> which is insane, you know. That's so I was just like, what the fuck is this? So it was insane. So but like that, it helped me kind of understand. You know, I I've been talking, interviewing a wonderful, lovely string of women, and I will fully admit that as a white dude. I don't experience this stuff. And that's bad and good, yeah. both sides of the spectrum, right? But tell me like how that feels to basically be singled out. You're a dude because of the color of your skin. This fucking girl's like ever get a date. Yeah, like how um, does that shit feel? You I mean, you see it all the time. We see, you know, people it's hard, man. It's hard to explain it. We see things different different perspectives, you know? Especially, I would I, I hate to throw it back into the industry, but it, yeah. it's the same thing too. Like oh, I'm sure. we just have a different perspective on things, and and you kind of um, you think of things differently. You you the way you uh, carry yourself behind the bar is different. Right. The way I carry myself when I work for my brand is different. Um, just because of my upbringing too, and just being around, you know, being around that and being around certain white people, yeah. you know, they would see your actions and. and judge you for that so you feel like uh, really intensely scrutinized sometimes a little bit too much so but not not i don't you know nowadays i i don't really think about it as much because i am who i am and you know somebody doesn't like it to a point you're reading self-help books yeah i'm like (laughs) you're you're, yeah yeah i want to evolve now i'm like tough titties if you don't like me (laughs) period you know that's that doesn't bother me but yeah back in the day back in high school you know it really did because i didn't know you know who was my friend and who wasn't and I think nowadays there's, there's a lot of that coming back up too, with, you know, with all this this Trumpism and and whatnot. So, um, but anyway, full circle, like that is kind of what made me who I am. Yeah. Uh, uh, my upbringing in Houston, being diverse and and you know hanging out with all these cultures, but then uh, I, being a child in Raleigh and growing up around a lot of white people, um, you know that. Also, you know, it's kind of giving me two sides of the world. Sure. I see both sides. A uh, single mom at that point, too? My mom was, yeah. So that's, that's adding just another level of complexity to it, too. Yeah. You know, because you're trying to be a good man because you're raised by a woman that's very strong. 
I mean, I have to presume so, right? It's a very tough job. Yeah, she's Same a tough lady. Tough for up. me, right? Like my mom's single mom for a long time. And so there's that. And then not only that, but then you're scrutinized by these fucking people. And yeah. all that, you know, and does it make you, God, are you a sensitive guy? Are you very empathetic? Because you've had to do and go through some Yeah, of I'm stuff? empathetic for a lot of people. I'm empathetic, you know, to people who, when when people don't see who you really are. Yeah. I, you know, when people judge you just based off of your looks and, and what, you know, what they might think you are, that, oh, uh, that, that, you know, Man. really, really bothers me a lot because I, I've seen it so much. Yeah. Growing up, um, and growing up around different cultures and people, you know, they just they just write people off, and a lot of people write me off, or, you know, or used to. I don't know, but I'm, I'm different. I'm I'm just I just I am. Yeah, you are. Got, you yeah, exist. yeah. Just like I'm just different. Like I don't see all that. Uh, but yeah, it, it it can be hard. It can be hard to 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 see people. D- does that kind of ah, man? If it, I would I don't want to use this word, but the, kind of this. As I kind of like, you know, when you test the wind to see how windy it is, like divers do that shit. Yeah. Like even though it's kind of like sub subconscious or maybe just under the surface, this kind of tension, right? Does that ever make you think, I'm, I guess maybe I'm not capable, or does that do the opposite? Where you're like, no, I'm getting the fuck out of here. I'm gonna have a good job. I'm gonna go to school. I'm gonna study. I'm going to really. Uh, if you're talking about you talking about roulette, you're talking about like yeah. just like living yeah. up, growing up. Um. I never. I always knew I was. I was gonna do something. Yeah. I just didn't know what. Of course, when I was a kid, I graduated when I was around sixteen. So I no was, kidding. I was. Um, oh, that's. Cr- I mean, I graduated that's... early. It wasn't for being smart. It was just for being wanting to get out of the city. And I just. I went to school early. Yeah. So a year earlier than I should have. So I got out super early. Um. But. Uh. No, I never really felt like that. I never felt like that would hold me down. Yeah. A lot of that was ignorance. <laughs> a lot of that was, you know. <laughs> Uh, a lot of that was, you know, I didn't know really how cruel the world would be or how. Sure. I wouldn't say cruel, but the the world is very unforgiving. It's especially. weathering. Yeah, yeah. It, sure. And it's very humbling, too, like, because you think you have the world by the balls when you're 16, 17 or out yeah. of high school. And, uh, yeah, you know, being out of about out in the world for that long, like, yeah, you will go through some things and it'll it'll beat you down. But, yeah. no, I never felt like that, uh, even with, you know, people you know, scrutinizing and discriminating against me. They weren't going to stop you. Yeah. We're yeah, going to yeah. keep you down, so to speak. We will. We, we live in a really land. I mean, we live in a land where, you know, even though it is a little bit harder for black people, uh, we are still extremely lucky. Yeah. Not, not saying that the, you know, equality, you know, there could be more uh, sure. reaches towards equality, but we are still very privileged to be here. Um, just everybody as a, as a whole, we're very Dude, privileged. To there be and there's lots right of bartender now. privilege too, right? Being in this industry, e- exactly. Lovely um, thing. I think we all have some shade, yeah, of privilege. I am all right with that. Yeah, um, especially bartenders. And yeah. I mean, um, speaking, David Dacry told me something one time, and it really resonated with me. I think he said most people live for the weekend, while bartenders live the weekend. Oh man, and uh, that's that's very true. That's like lovely, we. Yeah. You just live a life that's different than people. It's just hard to describe. Yeah, and I, you know, I try to tell it to my family members and and you know what we do and you know they they kind of like, do you ever actually even work? And I was like, yes. Yeah, oh come on, work. yeah. See, that's a weird <laughs> misconception, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, man, I, yeah, you actually do do a lot of work, but it's yeah, just it's like backbreaking surface stuff. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, so you you know if if I'm if I read correctly and kind of researched correctly, 
you worked with United Airlines for quite some time, customer servant agent. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was actually I was super lucky to get that job. And this um, is, was this in Dallas. Still? That was what moved me to Houston. Actually. Got it. Okay. So I got that job. They hired me at seventeen. I wasn't supposed to be hired at seventeen. Uh, um, that's what brought me out here, and um, I started being a bad guy, throwing cargo. Yeah. On planes, and then I moved on uh, doing uh, computer stuff, their cargo track system. I ended up being a concierge uh, all at this age, and I was able to travel uh, a lot. Dude, tell me about from... the perk for traveling. Did you it was get amazing. On... What, what, what is that? What, like, um, what's some of the, the stuff that you would get for you, from United? So, yeah, you, you basically get to travel uh, for about, it's like it was like $25 domestically and like oh. 75 oh. internationally, but... You fly standby, so you okay. really have to plan it, Got especially it. international, because you could get you can get in some problems there. <laughs> um, you can get stuck <laughs> for a long time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would so I would work like two weeks on. I'd work really hard overtime, and then I'd take a like four or five days off, and I'd pick somewhere on the map and I'd go travel. Oh man! Or you know, there's no better feeling than you know you're 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 out on a date and you're like you ever been to New York and. Like, no, I've never been to New York. I was like, you want to go to New York? Let's go to New York. And then we go to New York the next day and hang out, you know, and then come oh, back incredible. the same day. That was like baller status. Dude, right and you're there. young still when you're doing yeah. this stuff. I mean, that's a pretty yeah, nice... Yeah, I was, I was fairly young. Um, got into a little bit of trouble, but... Well, who doesn't get in trouble, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a really great way for me to see the world. And then also, I was doing fashion at the time, so I got to see a lot of different, you know, styles of fashion uh, going to the major cities. And it's really what got me into bartending. Um, really? And full circle, uh, I took. I used to go to Miami constantly. Con- Miami was like my hub. Like I always. Huh? Interesting intersection. Yeah, there, number right? one because I could get into the clubs and I was underage. <laughs> that was that's a brilliant reason. That was one of the things, and uh, yeah, because I was like I was like twenty. Yeah. Um, when I really started going heavy, and so I would go, and uh, I actually started having like people that I knew there, so I would go and hang out with them, and um. Uh, I met this girl like from I think she was from Lithuania, fresh off the boat. Yeah, like, just got there, could barely speak English. She's bartending. She's having a great time, and she's she's like, oh yeah, I made like four hundred dollars yesterday. And I was like, you know what? When I get back to Houston, I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out how I can get into this bartending thing. Really? I think I'd be great. So I like go to bartending school when I get back. And was it one eight hundred bartending? It was one of those that yeah. fucking commercial. Yeah. Still twenty years later, and, I remember um, that thing. insane. Uh, yeah, I went there, but I got a job immediately out of it at a bowling alley. And, really? Like, the rest is history. Ten years. Dude, bull? No kidding. Yeah. What, so, you know, when you talk about being at HTC and kind of focusing on the fashion thing, was it to dive into something you were passionate about? Or did you say, I would like to go design in New York or Milan or um, No, I wanted to uh, design men's clothes. That's what I wanted to do. But I started... You know, the more I got into it and when I was getting towards graduating, it was just like everybody was pushing me towards, you know, women's fashion and couture yeah. and things like that. And I just didn't. I was not interested in that. I just wanted to make really nice fucking men's suits yeah. and tailor and alter on the side. And I found myself like doing alterations for women a lot. I found myself doing stuff that I didn't want to fucking do. Right. They wanted me to intern. And I'm already at this time, like by the time I graduated, I was making money bartending and still working for the airlines i was making good money yeah and so i was like i'm gonna like quit and intern full-time like and not make anything i was like uh, i don't know about all that it's hard <laughs> to walk away from them yeah. yeah um so i mean despite all the work i felt like it was it was the right decision that i made to go 
with that. And then eventually it got to the point where I, I had to choose between the airline and bartending. And uh, I chose bartending. Yeah. You know, I never looked back. Didn't look back. Yeah. It's, it's been very rewarding. When you, six years. When you talk about suits, I think suits are something that people don't understand exactly how to get them tailored correctly. But in your opinion, who really wears a suit well in our modern pop culture times? Because I go back and I think like Cary Grant, I think yeah. like the old guys, right? Uh, Clark I mean, Gable. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I always think like James Bond. Yes. It's always, yes. I mean, Daniel any Craig James suits. Bond. Yeah, Daniel Craig suits look yeah, great. Yeah, Daniel Craig, yeah. Craig. I mean, it's supposed to be just like a shell, you know? Yeah. Um, I had to think. I mean, uh, like, just watch watch the Oscars. Watch one of those yeah. award ceremonies. Most of those guys are pretty clean cut. Um, I'd have to think. But, I mean, if you open up an article, just GQ, yeah. you know, their stuff is just, like, well-tailored and, and cut. But I can't, like, think of anybody off the top of my do, head right Do now. you have your shell, the suit? I have my one suit that's just, like, yeah, I've, I've taken it to the tailor. And, like, I've probably spent almost as much as the suit Yeah, just getting it tailored and and like you have to get to a weight that you are comfortable with and because if any bigger or smaller right it's right just not doesn't have the same effect but i recommend any any guy like just just take a suit or if you can just have a suit built from the ground up which yeah costs, i love that it, it's gonna Indochino you, is one i yeah. use sometimes and is a really good one it's a really um, cool one yeah but i mean just spend the 500 dollars and get like a nice black suit or get a nice tuxedo that you know that you'll be able to wear and they're like it's your suit like yeah. it's your go-to suit and it'll always look good on you fits like a glove it should exactly yeah. every suit should fit like a glove i wish i could afford to but yeah it's just <laughs> it's, it's awesome anything and i don't i'm not i don't fancy myself much of a person with regard to fashion fashion i mean suits different deal i want it to fit right and all of that anything you're kind of seeing lately that people are wearing women or men men particularly that you're like man i kind of like how this is going I see a lot of rep- repetition of eighties. Yeah, I do. I, I do feel like there's a lot more like bright colors. Yeah. In uh, in what we're wearing, I mean, I think like in the early two thousands, it was a lot of black and gray. Even mm-hmm. myself, like I was just like attracted to black and gray, black and gray. Uh, but there's a lot more color in, in the fashions that we're we're going with today. Um, I don't know how long that's going to last. You know, it's always it's just cycles. Cyclical. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, there is a lot of eighties fashion being revived, and you sit down and think about it. I was like, wow, that's thirty years ago now, and like kids think think of the 80s now yeah. as, as like old school or we used to you know think the 60s and 70s were were the thing like my favorite style or, or time timeline of style was i think the 60s like i just think really everybody just top notch so top notch everybody was to the nines like it was just like the norm it seemed like like i would i would have loved to see fashion back then just even the mans in their suit you know it was it was it was really good time i think for fashion as opposed to 80s yeah people are a lot i will say this people are um they're very bold <laughs> nowadays. Right. Yeah. yeah, everybody's very, it's uh, very you know, individualistic, I would say, and just like, you know, reflecting themselves. Um, there's a lot of different types of styles now, especially when you go to these major cities. Houston, just go to like the Montrose area and oh, just man. walk down the block. Well, you go to Paris, you'll be, you'll be in France soon enough, you know, if you stop by Paris. I'm looking forward to that That's, too, yeah. It's actually kind of nice how monochromatic it is. Yeah. It's really lots of blacks, lots of, lots of whites. Like yeah. It's just the, that particular contrast. Yeah. But, you know, really what I'm getting at is, is it skinny time time or is it wide tie time? <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think it depends on the size. Like some people rock, some pe- certain people rock certain things better. Yeah. You know, like that fat tie is, is it's, there's a place, you know, right? There's a place for it. Yeah. But, it, you know, it's not for me. 
<laughs> but I, I, I think I'm kind of in the it. middle. I'm kind of in the middle with mine. Like yeah. I, I don't like it too skinny, like pencil thin. Like some people, it's gotten really, kind of really thin. But I, a nice, you know, medium sized tie that kind of doesn't take up, and you know. But some some of the big guys they have those wide knot ties. Right. So it needs because it's yeah. got to be relational. I'll tell yeah. you one thing I really enjoyed. So I had the pleasure of interviewing Madame Saint Germain. Oh yeah, here in that chair right there. In fact, awesome. And they gave me a tie clip. And it is the most beautiful brass Saint Germain encrusted tie clip. Amazing! They have the best like POS. Dude, who gets out a tie clip? That's amazing. That's a, cr- a crazy yeah. thing. And yeah. so then it made me realize how essential a tie clip is. Yeah. Oh yeah. You have to. It brings it brings an outfit. So that's what I've always loved about the suit too, just because like little bitty details like yeah. that is what like really brings the suit together. Punches it up. Uh, yeah, yeah. So much. Um, I have like this, my favorite tie clip is this little purple tie clip. And I mean, it could be like an all black suit, but you wear that little tie clip and it just like pop. Dude. Like brings out everything. It does. It's just a little bit of glimmer. Yeah. The whole thing. All right. So going back to the cocktail thing, you've had a very decorated career from behind the bar working at Heli. No, sorry. You worked at Lalo. Lalo. Right. Yeah. At just had their anniversary. Julep for a little bit. Julep. A lot of cool spots. She just dropped her book. Alba. Yeah, dude. Even. I can't yeah. wait to read it and kind of catch up with her. But what it, at that moment when the money became secondary, because that seems like what lures a lot of people into the industry because it does pay the bills. Yeah. And it's pretty instant, right? But at what was kind of the, the situation in which you crafted a cocktail or you were exposed to a combination of flavors like, holy shit, this is actually more than just money. This is an art form. This is a creative outlet. I would definitely say that was at uh, Passenger Visions. Yeah. That was like my first uh cocktail job that were whereas uh we really took a good look at at the spirits we were using and and you know or i looked took a good look everybody else was like actually much better than me uh and Stuart was there then Stuart was not there at the oh, time okay, no okay. that was about a year into it first opening Stuart has been there for a long ever time. yeah um yeah. in bar terms yeah I yeah think no he's been loyal years, as shit so. over there yeah but shout out to him he's he's been doing a great job over there but yeah when i was over there um uh yeah we were there was it was a tight ship i think uh, alexander gray had just left and i had been one of the people that took his position and uh, i didn't know my asshole from my elbows when it came to like craft <laughs> cocktails and could barely stir but uh they broke me in pretty well and uh about that time i joined the usbg yeah and that's when uh i mean things just took off after that like crazy i mean it's just i think a lot for a lot of bartenders that are looking to to do better. I mean, I always say it's all about the company that you keep sure. and who you surround yourself with. You'll be surprised, um, you know, when you look at people who are just or you surround yourself with people who are just as enthusiastic with you. How far they'll take you, yeah. and I mean, how far you'll take them, and it's just you feed off each other. And I think that's that's what I did. I mean, I met a lot of people in the city, or I was around a lot of people in the city at the time that were very serious and, uh, uh, you know felt like what they were doing was important right um so, so you f- do you feel like now as a role as vp at the usbg the houston is this a senior role to give back is it to be at the forefront of the, the community what exactly yeah. does it do um for you? it's definitely a way my way of trying to give back um you know we built this chapter uh you know it's come a long way i didn't yeah. say we but uh, there's a lot of hands that have helped uh, build the chapter to where it is today. 
Um, and I, I am extremely passionate about our bar community in Houston. It's, it's something that I've seen grow and I've seen so many people, you know, we've always had a chip on our shoulder, I think, sure. just because of the, all these other major cities. We're the fourth biggest city in the nation, uh, but it's always seemed like we've been trying to catch up to everybody in the cocktail scene. Yeah. But I, I've never, I've never felt like that living in Houston. I've always thought that we've been, you know, just as bright and just as creative and just as definitely, definitely, uh, just as hospitable as anybody else. And it's not to compare, but you know, I've always wanted the best. But then, uh, you know, in this leadership role in Houston, I want most importantly for the younger generation of bartenders um, to see that. You know, if you put yourself out there and you get involved with your community, yeah. um, you can get involved with other people who are passionate about what they do. You're going to do better. It's going to help your career. It can't help but, you know, lift yeah. your career up. Yeah, it rises all. Yeah, tide, uh, rises a rising all. tide. Yeah. You know, I have this tattoo here. That reminds Is that what's on? Is that yeah, the, this no little kidding. quote here. Like, that's, that's, my, that's my saying right there. But, yeah, um, I really owe so much to, to what the USBG has done for me because I put myself, I threw myself in there. And, I mean... This is we're just we're not even talking that long ago. We're talking yeah. five six years ago that that all this happened. Changes so, profoundly, yeah. quickly in this industry. Exactly. I mean, but I feel like with the education that I've got, that I've probably gone through another college course. <laughs> to be honest with you, <laughs> life gives you just the same kind of curriculum. Exactly. Different steps, man. Different classes. Exactly. I felt like honestly, I look back and I feel like I went back to college again and went to school for mixology or something. I yeah. don't know, but it's life blended with mixology so in kind of what is a senior role in terms of the, the dynamic of the houston cocktail scene call whatever it seems i would not call it senior because i am not the senior <laughs> yeah there are some <laughs> semis there's some old heads in the industry sophomoric there, no i'm just yeah. saying so when it comes to things lately and you know pam wasnitzer was just in town in fact in fact doing a panel about women's empowerment yeah. women's issues and things and in, in yeah the Bacardi women in leadership program yeah. I w- there was one the first one kicked off in houston that's right yeah as a man i gotta say man that was that was amazing uh that was yeah it was amazing so yeah. so being a man that is being made well aware of what is harassment that happens overtly subversively as well do you feel any kind of responsibility and i'm not putting this on you single-handedly we all have a responsibility but being someone that is prominent in the community and someone that does have a voice and can actually mentor and influence what do you feel might be the role of people like yourself in the industry to talk about this harassment and this assault that goes on um yeah it's 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 always tough to start the conversation but i'd rather like in in life i say it's always it's always easier to go through something than around it. Yeah. And oh, just yeah. so just tackle it. It's it's gonna be hard to talk about. And that's something I think, you know, we as a community have to talk about. Because it happens everywhere. Um, even in our city. And I and I look back on maybe some of the parties that I've been to, um, some of the places I've been, you know, around the country, some of the conferences. And there were some times where I was like, Man, I don't know about this person. I don't know about, you yeah. know, and yeah. we, you know, we just kind of let it go because chalk it up to alcohol. But I think that's one thing uh, that we need to sit down and talk about is just consumption at events like this and just being aware of ourselves. Um, and then also just speaking to, to men, because um, I think in the long run, you know, with this women's movement going on, if, if we can't get men on board, you know, that, that, you know, stand up. It's going to be hard. It's just like, just like uh, you know, this black movement, yeah. inequality. If we don't get 
white people on board, <laughs> you know, like right. nothing's going to change. We have to get each other on board. We have to help each other. Uh, so I think definitely uh, we need to reach out or I know I'm going to try to reach out, not just to all the community, but mostly men um, in our community. And it's like, let's sit down and talk about how, you know, we treat women, how we view women. Is there something that's maybe inbred in us that we, you know, right. are, are putting on women in the industry that we might not know sure. that we're doing? It's hard when you operate doing. a certain way, right? Yeah, like, we, you, you know, know, you just get used to operating it. And man, there's certain things that I did as a man, you know, working behind a bar that just, you know, I didn't even realize I was doing it, yeah. you know, to certain women. Just like, man, I think I'm almost like talked down. On you know right, certain and women it's, uh, and inadvertent, it's, it, right? it's not inadvertent, but I I realized a couple of years ago I was working with somebody I was like, wow, I kind of sound like an asshole when I talk to her. How come I don't talk to you know this guy like this? So um, it's definitely something you know when you think about it or when somebody brings it up, you know, when you really start thinking about your habits and and um, I always say to myself like if if you're in your comfort zone, something's not right. Oh, so when you're point, when you're yeah. too comfortable, especially when I was behind the bar, like I was like, man, I'm too comfortable behind the bar. This is gonna, I'm gonna end up doing something really stupid, you know, yeah. if I don't like start checking my habits and what I'm doing. So no, it's always good to reevaluate. It's yeah. good that you read because it, it, you know, it'll always introduce other perspectives and help you know that, man, maybe it's all right to be uncomfortable. Yeah, you know, talking. You know, one of the things that's been interesting about chatting with hundreds of people at this point about all of these kind of dark. But yet, realistic things are happening to people. It's uncomfortable for me sometimes, but I have to keep for you know I got to keep talking about this, and we got to stop, you know, thinking that it's some uncouth issue. No, we have to fucking no. talk. It's it's about the conversation and not the tweets. If you just get the exactly. bite-sized pieces of, you don't get man. If you can, I mean, having a conver- a real life conversation with somebody, um, is just so much more fruitful sure. than posting some type of meme right. or. I mean, if you just grab, even if it's a friend, go and just talking to them about something or reaching out. You know, I I try. I've tried. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, there's <laughs> a lot of people there, on yeah. social media um, to just like hear out some of their perspectives. I haven't deleted all my friends who are like Trump supporters yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. I, I really do try to hear their their perspective, but I, I you know I would love to just you know. I've had more fruitful conversations with just sitting down with them and talking. Absolutely. Um, and it sometimes gets very uncomfortable um, and it gets, you know, borderline, you know, hurtful sometimes sure. to talk to them uh, or, you know, it, it might seem the other way around with them too. And, you know, we drop some, we drop some heavy truth bombs basically. Yeah. Uh, but, but it but, has to be, but like it hap- it has to happen. Yeah. You know, some talks have to happen for us to move on. And I think even as a country collectively, man, we've gotten, We've gotten too addicted to to social media, and, sure. and you know it's too easy to try to have you know to have your voice heard there. You know when you know you think about some of these old, you know old school civil rights leaders. I don't I don't think I would see MLK out tweeting about something. You know no. he'd be out on the streets. He'd be know? doing it instead of talking. Yeah, he'd be about doing, doing it, it. You know. Yeah. Um, and I, that's that's what I think we really need to get back to our grassroots, talking to our neighbors, talking to right. you know people face to face really seeing the emotions on their face, you know, being empathetic. That is one thing this country lacks. Empathy. We don't give a yeah. fuck anymore about anybody, you know, like no, it's right. It's unless right. Uh, unless it's us and our own. Has it benefit me? Yeah. yeah well, you know, if it didn't happen to me, you know, tough right. titties like, you know, it, I'm I'm, you know, 
it, it's it's no, really but bad. I, but I get it. And, and the, the the thing that's at least optimistic or gives me some hope about all this is that people like you, people like me, can just talk, and we're not afraid to talk about this. Yeah, we may disagree, and that's fine. We may agree, and that's fine as well. But if you you have to expand outside of the sound bites. Oh, for sure. Because those are crafted to pick a very specific exactly. narrative that doesn't reflect us as a pe- you know, as a people. Exactly. We I think people actually want to get along. I think we want to work together. In Houston during the hurricane, if nothing yeah. else showed, that fuck what is the perspective about what people think about I will say this not- about Houston though, man. Like dude, the diversity there the, the diversity there is very strong, man. Um I haven't had that many problems, you know, with yeah. with, with race there at at all. Uh, don't get me wrong; it's I'm not naive. It's there, but man, we we work together in such a way in Houston that when I go to another city and I I see you know that or I hear I visit you know these communities, bar communities especially, and I hear all these problems. Yeah, it's kind of not like a thing in in our community in Houston. Um, not as much, I would say. Right. Um. I mean, it's lovely to hear that. But I think that's that's great. I'm probably going to get chewed up for that. <laughs> but that's fucking how that's, it's going to yeah. be. Yeah, that's, but I'm that's just, the best I'm part saying, of it, right? Yeah, I'm probably going to get my ass kicked for that. But <laughs> Yeah, yeah you're gonna, people are going to be so upset because, no, man, Houston's inclusive. No, it isn't. God damn it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. somebody's going to find oh, something. Dude. Well, someone's um, always going to say something. But yeah. you know what? That's the great part about this. I'm not going to edit it. Fucking yeah. say what you want. But for my eyes, like, for my eyes, that's what I see. I'm very proud of the community and that, you know, we, we do come together quite a bit. Yeah. It's a lot of there's a lot of great women bartenders. I mean, I think we have these uh, we have the uh, Tastemaker Awards coming up. Absolutely, Map. This was the first year where it's just like all these badass girls, and oh, Alex yeah. and Granza and uh, James Corona and Aki and and Sarah Troxel. They they're all just like meat and potato bartenders. They put yeah. in work. They're not you know bar managers. That was a thing. You know, I mean, well, some of them are, but I mean, they're actually working behind their bars and they're actually influencing the community. So. I really want to shout out to those guys. Those guys are amazing. But it's a really diverse group yeah. of bartenders, and I really, you know, love that they're starting to get coverage. You know, and it's not just the same people wow. over and over. No, and me over. too. They, it feels like we're moving in a direction, and I think I'm all right with the direction. You know, and in some senses, and other side. I mean, you coming into Austin when I've lived here 18 years, and this is the first time I've ever known of a serial bomber in Austin. That's insane. What the fuck is going on in Austin? Yeah, dude, I don't know. I don't know. And I I sadly can say, living up north and being a white guy, perhaps I'm going to be immune to this thing. And I don't say that with any fucking sarcasm. I'm dead serious. You know, there's been linked and all that. But things will unfold, but it's a strange time. It's a really, really strange time. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm just, nobody was hurt from South by Southwest, right? No, thankfully. Yeah. No no weird drunk driving incidents or any of that. So this all kind of happened just after, but it overlapped a little bit. At yeah, the end of the last week. So I'm thankful for that. So many people downtown. You know? Yeah, it's it's a lot. But well, so you've had you know this decorated career working at great spots throughout Houston, making that transition outside of what is corporate culture, despite all the travel perks. But you get some travel perks now. So Turn out pretty well. This position as part of the Vive Group, which is predominantly Grey Goose, if I understand correctly. No, it is Grey Goose. Yeah, <laughs> entirely. So. Yeah. Ian is one of your mates in town. Yeah. You know, he's a great dude. And Rob Leisure, is that the other guy that's here in Austin? Derek, Derek Leisure. Derek, excuse me. Yeah. Well, I, yes. That's his, uh, his uh, 
moniker i would say yeah that is a porno name for sure <laughs> yeah I, I, I gotta ask him like we're gonna sit down tonight well, i'm gonna ask him about that that is there anything i need to know you're a man of do leisure with, okay uh, do any films with mike concho or anything like that uh, oh man brock landers or chess rock yeah. watching boogie nights the other night some of the greatest names yeah, por- yeah, yeah. Derek leisure may be one of the better names yeah, in the porno actually, industry i can see that on a business card no. oh, absolutely it would be <laughs> like a velvet one yeah it had to be it. velvet yeah. well how did that conversation start where i know Derek, you know or rather Dwayne is in houston mm-hmm. uh, and he's obviously a massive spokesperson for great talent and bacardi like how did you get approached and kind of poached for this position um well <laughs> i was working with hendrix yeah. and uh man I, I loved hendrix it was it was really i've really grown with that brand and i learned what being a brand ambassador was really about uh, learning from those people and and i've had a lot of people that i looked up to that may not uh may not know i mean charlotte voisey yeah uh, angus winchester um and louise Jordan bushel yeah um all just great brand ambassadors and i've always aspired to be like them um and and have that influence and and be able to use their brands to inspire and, and uplift people so i think i did a lot with that on, on the local scale at least with hendrix and i'm really proud of the work that i did that being said, uh, dot, Dwayne, dot, dot. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Dwayne uh, had come into town as our portfolio at the as a portfolio ambassador for Bacardi, and uh, he's always uh, uh, taking a shine to me. And and, and really, I he's been in the game for a long time. You want to talk to somebody? Talk to I've talked to Dwayne. Oh my man. god, he's Dwayne's, been in that chair too. He's got some stories, man. Oh, wonderful, yeah. beautiful person. Uh, I love Dwayne, and uh, so he's he's approached me about a lot of things. He was approaching me for a lot of different positions uh, throughout the company, and I. I wasn't interested. I was like, and then he he had jokingly said probably like six months ago, would you want to work with vodka? And I was like, man, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I just don't think I'd, I'd do well with vodka. I think yeah. that every role, you know, somebody has to embody it. I don't know if I would embody it. And uh, what really turned me on, though, was, um, first of all, just Bacardi as a whole, the company, the way they do business very family oriented. They're still family oriented. Um, and they treat everyone like family. Um, that was one thing that appealed to me. Yeah. Um, very much so. Like everybody was, was a part of this family. Sure. Community. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And which I think when you do have a family that gives you a sense of obligation not mm. to let the family down. So I really like that. Second of all, uh, as opposed to great with great goose. Um, I mean, just looking at the plan that they have, uh, to continue, uh, this this 20, 21 year uh, um, legacy of, of just making this amazing amazing artisanal vodka, um, I think this five year plan or this this plan that they have, it, it, I want to be a part of it. Yeah, and I think it's it's bigger than you know one person. Um, uh, you know we're helping to push this category, the vodka category, to the next level, and uh, it doesn't sound like much. You know vodka. Though, I, when I thought about it, it's a huge part of our lives. Mm-hmm. Like, 90 billion cocktails are made a year with vodka. And we kind of, you know, it's just like a second thought to us sure. now. We don't really think a lot about our vodkas. Um, it's like hamburgers. Yeah. Now exactly. we're starting to think about it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we start to think about things a lot. But, yeah, our vodkas, I mean, pay the majority of most bars bills. And, yeah, and we just, you know, don't give a lot of thought to it. So I think, yeah, now that we're really in this renaissance of cocktails and and cocktail culture yeah, it's a good time to start thinking about uh you know the things that we're putting in our body and the claims that some of these you know somebody mentioned the other day you know we have a lot of bartenders actually it was jason jason cosmos he said um 
you know, we have a lot of uh, uh, wannabe, I, I can't remember exactly how he said it, but like people that want to test the bartender and like right. people are doing their oh, research yeah, it's now. Oh, yeah, posturing, man. Yeah. They're doing their research hardcore, so they'll go and try to challenge the bartender and, and try to stump you. Um, and I think, you know, in the vodka category, I knew, you know, even when I think about it now, I'm just like, man, that was kind of my crutch. You know, when people ask me for a vodka cocktail, I always try to lean towards gin. Yeah. But like, yeah, it, it could be hard to, to make, you know, strip start down, with the strip down yeah. canvas and play off the small little nuances in vodka. It, it's it's a challenge. Any bartender worth their salt, you know, uh, you know, it, it could be hard to make a, a balanced, you know, vodka cocktail sure. using whatever different spirit you want. Yeah. So. Well, and having spent some time with Francois, you fall in love with that brand all over again. <laughs> so. I mean, I, mean I, I got a crush on him. My wife got a crush that on him. Guy. Just like, hey, no. So, I mean, within three hours of being in Miami, we went to Miami for um, our summit and training. And, I mean, within the first three hours, like, Francois walks in. But, yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is Francois. Talking about good suits, like, man. So, oh, yeah. Dude. We're talking about a well, well-dressed man. Um, but, yeah, just just amazing, incredible mind. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about just a doctorate. <laughs> like, he gave us a right. seminar on just... You know, wine, and he was tasting. And took us to a bunch of different wines of the region, and then brought it back to Grey Goose. And uh, he really is a master of of his craft. Um, he very, uh, he gives back to the community too. Absolutely, donates a lot yeah. of money and it, yeah, volunteers time. Absolutely. So um, but so all right, so, you know, vodka is uncouth, but it's growing and it's emerging again, which is nice. For me, I, you know, I've got the privilege of having spent time with Ian with. Jules, Julian, and yeah. Francois, all the all the great people, right? Tell me, as a dude that knows nothing about Grey Goose, what is the single thing that really does make it exceptional? Um, I think just because it's made, it's made in a way that, first of all, no other vodka is, is, was traditionally made back then yeah. um, from the ground up. Uh, Francois was very adamant about having control over every single process. He basically took um, the cognac making process, which mm-hmm. is very strict, uh, very tedious, and he applied that to making vodka. So when you know he chose the wheat, uh, he's you know it's the the people who uh, produce the wheat. It's one cooperative, so uh, you know everything is under their control. They know what's growing, what kind of product they're using, and how it's going to behave. Yeah. Um, and Grey Goose is simply just that wheat and water mm. at the end of the day. Um, and, and it that soft winter wheat just comes together to make an exceptionally smooth, pure uh, spirit. But I would say it's the work that's put into it is what really makes it stand out. Yeah. And the passion that Francois had to, to create a vodka that didn't take any shortcuts, I think. Um, whereas now most of the vodkas we see, most people, when they do produce vodka, we know, are you know they're they're tr- produce is an interesting system. word there too, yeah right? <laughs> <laughs> produce i'm doing the fingers right, uh, right. um but when they produce vodka it's usually for them to get some money in their pockets very quickly of course yeah. and it's not you know it's mostly you know marketing they'll they'll come up with a quick story uh but when it as to you know gray goose i i really think uh that you're getting your money's worth when you're paying for that vodka because you know that it was made you know in the in the proper way right. and in the proper channels and it's made to taste like that. And when you're tasting Grey Goose, it was it tastes like that for a reason because yeah. Francois wanted you to taste that wheat in the vodka. I love it. And he wanted to have those flavors and the, that nuance. And when you nose that glass and you, and you get all those vanilla notes, yeah, 
that was all done on purpose. It wasn't done by by accident. By yeah, the final cut. The studio had nothing to do with it. Yeah, yeah. Right. As <laughs> yeah. a director, he made sure that vision. Oh, for sure. Carried every and bottle he, at a he time. He still to this day continues to taste every batch, and you know, yeah. and makes makes sure everything's you know all good. And uh, even the other expressions too, the VX and and, yeah. and the Ducasse, Ducasse, amazing, yeah. amazing expressions. No, so you're um, gonna have to, we'll have to try those sometime because I haven't. Yes. Had them yet. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because there's a lo- the lovely extensions of of the brand in that sense, you know. Oh yeah, but you guys, the Vive team, is taking Texas by storm and absolutely some lovely personalities and a porno, you know. Yeah, right? <laughs> so fitting for Austin, man. You guys get down here. You yeah, what the hell? Here. We get all the good stuff. Yeah. apparently. Um, but yeah, that Vive, I really love. I love that because it's 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 life basically. Yeah. It's a life well lived. And joy de vivre. Right? Yeah, just like. It, you know, you have vodka is very much about the experience mm-hmm. um, and, and how we feel. And, you know, for 21 years, Grey Goose has been out that older generation. They they know when they order Grey Goose, they're going to feel a certain way, yeah. you know, and they feel, you know, like they could be on top of the world. And I think even with this younger generation, they're not, you know, they don't they don't drink it like we used to. Or, yeah. you know, I kind of grew up in the middle of it. I'm not going to lie. I wasn't like, you know, you know, when Grey Goose came out, I wasn't drinking, but. I came in at that time where, you know, people started actually thinking about what they want to drink. Right. And so we're kind of a child, you know, we're kind of in between two drinking generations, yeah. to be honest with you. It's a nice you. place to be. I mean, yeah. it's kind of older, so. Yeah. But still, it's all this transition. But yeah, we got these new kids that are just turning 21. Past meets present meets future. Exactly. It's a very cool time. Um, but yeah, it's a really cool time for people my age, I would say, just because, yeah, we kind of remember what people used to drink like, yeah. you know, in the in the late 90s. Um, even though we weren't legally drinking, of course, <laughs> of course, <laughs> obviously. Um, but I mean, and then we see what people kind of drink like now, so yeah. we can kind of bring it to that together and bring analog it and digital worlds colliding, man. Absolutely, that's what it is. Absolutely. So, so I've got two more questions for you. You're here in Austin. You're gonna have a good time. It's exciting to see where you're gonna go to next and hang out with Mr. Porn Derek Leisure, which is great. I gotta <laughs> connect with him. You are sipping anything. You can sip the Ducasse. You're at any bar in the world, and you're just sitting there sipping, and you can have a conversation with anyone, living or deceased. Who would you love just to post up at the bar and have a conversation with? Hmm. Man, that's such a broad question. That's I know. a lot of people. I, I think it if depending how we're feeling, what season it is, that all changes. Uh, Jesus? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, um, definitely not Jesus. Well, you'd be drinking wine, you'd be drinking <laughs> vodka, yeah. right? Um. Man, I'd probably say uh, Sammy Davis Jr. Oh, shit. Yeah. Dude, uh, are you sure you're going to hold... Like, he drinks... From what I understand... Yeah, they probably... That red pack, yeah, they drink. probably drink. Yeah, I imagine. Um, There was this commercial, though, was, uh, for, for Centauri Whiskey. Yeah. Did you see that one? I think, yeah. It's an old school commercial. Yeah, it's just yeah. like... And that, I loved it because he probably just improvised the whole thing and he was probably just shit-faced and he yeah. was just like... You know, it, it was so cool. But I mean, I imagine just sitting next to him at the bar and just like, you know, holding a conversation with him. I, oh, I, man. I, 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 would, I would have loved that. Um, I think the rap packs. Million people. That's an amazing. Yep. But yeah, those guys were just like, they probably were just like the most down to earth guys. Ever. Probably. It just seems like it, even in their music and the way they carried themselves. like. But true gentlemen, though. But yeah, yeah uh, that was, that was. That Seemingly a nice prototype and template for being a gentleman. Dressed well. Treating people with respect, yep. drinking in a very drink your whiskey, <laughs> yeah, yeah, in a polite way. Yep. All right. So the last question, because I got some intel when we were talking about this before we started recording, but what defines 
nasty Nate? Oh, is that a shift in personas? Do you put on it, it a hat? Is. Do you take the glasses off? What exactly? Uh, the glasses usually you do just come took off. the glasses. Yeah. Oh, the oh glasses so you're transforming off. into nasty so, Nate? Yeah, right nasty now. Nate is is a person <laughs> that usually does not come out till after midnight. <laughs> um, he loves to dance, uh, preferably on top of bars. Sure. Um, uh, he, shirt or no shirt? He keeps he keeps his clothes on. Okay, okay, good. For good. the most part, until he gets home. But uh, that's that's usually after a few uh, espresso martinis, um, <laughs> you know, to close out the night. He he just likes to he likes to dance and boogie. He comes out every now and then, and I know a lot of girls out in Houston. Like when they feel like dancing, they're like, "Where's Nasty Nate? Bring yeah. him out! Bring him out!" <laughs> like we feel like dancing right now, you know. And uh, you know, it's a real strange connection. But yeah. Jerry Lewis was in kind of a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde movie. Yeah. I can't remember the name of it, but maybe that is you hearkening back to the rap yeah. pack days. But he's definitely a fun person to be around. He's definitely definitely fun. Uh, he definitely veeves harder than I do. <laughs> if you would, yeah. He is like veeve at the max. Is he but, uh, sexier and more suave? I kind of think of like, you know, uh, Family Matters when Urkel like yeah. turned into Stefan <laughs> or Kel. Yeah. That would probably be Nasty Nate. And then I put the glasses back on and I'm just like cocktail nerd Nathan. Just having a crush on Laura, man. Yeah. That's it. Yep. All I wanted was Laura. That's all he wanted. Drink the potion. I think that's a, I think that's an amazing recap. Yep. But yeah, that's nasty Nate. You'll get to meet him one day eventually. Everybody I'm taking does. pictures and I'm going to meet him. It yep. Or oh, you can just look it up on YouTube. No, I like that too. Because you, it's you know no NSFH or FW stuff because you're keeping your clothes on. Yep. That's all. Yep. P fourteen thirteen. You know this has been like a year in the making trying to make this happen. Yeah, it has been, man. I know you reached out to me for a while. I really I really do appreciate you. Uh, yeah, because I'm glad you did it now because a lot of things have changed. Yeah. A lot of things have changed. So, uh, we're older, we're wiser. Yeah. A little bit older, a little bit wiser. Um, and yeah, a lot, yeah, this year is just setting out to be a really good year for, I think me at least. Uh, I think so, <laughs> so man. Yeah. Well, it's a brilliant time to intersect and catch up and get to understand where you've come from and kind of where you're going. And honestly, man, you know, we're sipping this 2000, I can't remember if this is 16 or whatnot, but 2016 birthday bourbon, Old Forester, Hunter Proof. Dude, Good I stuff. mean, sharing bourbon with you in my house, talking about life. No better way to spend a Tuesday evening, mate. I couldn't, yeah, I concur. Yeah, that's. Thank you. I kind of night. Thank you so much for stopping Cheers. by. Cheers. Thank you. We'll talk soon, yeah? Yep, absolutely. So what do you guys think, Mr. Nasty Nate of Houston, Texas? Great goose. Now, of course, Nasty Nate is just a moniker. Mr. Nathan S. Raphael is a refined gentleman as those beautiful suits for the Grey Goose team. All those guys look stunning every time they are out there doing education and peddling some beautiful vodka. But no, you know, he's got this musical side. He's got this style side. He's got this nuance. He's a good dude. And it was great to finally get to sit down to chat with him. You know, it seems like he's made Houston a better place for the hospitality industry, and also Houston has made him a better person in the hospitality industry. So I can't wait to see you soon, Nate, and I'm glad we finally got this chat out. I think people will be really excited to learn more about you. So thanks, everybody, for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter how many Hulu shows you're going to watch and binge if they've got Sean Penn in them, or if you're thinking The Nun was actually pretty good, I don't care if Rotten Tomatoes says it's 20% rotten. Doesn't matter to me. Please, keep dancing.